Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Did Jared Kushner sell out America and world peace in exchange for $2 billion? And why is it that nobody seems to care? My daily rant today from HartmanReport.com, we're now calling them daily takes. It sounds a little more dignified. Um, And it's titled, Did Jared Kushner sell out America and prospects for world peace for $2 billion and nobody cares? Back in the 1960s, after Kennedy left office, I, actually, I believe it was the early 1970s when Richard Nixon controlled Congress, because Kennedy had appointed his brother, Bobby, as attorney general, because Jack Kennedy, President Kennedy, had appointed his brother as the AG, Republicans, when they got power, when they, when they finally got control of the White House and the House and the Senate, they passed a law saying, Nepotism in the uh, executive branch is now illegal. There are already nep- anti-nepotism laws, you know, throughout the federal government. You, you know, if you're if you're the head of tax collections at the IRS, you can't hire your brother to be your assistant or something. I, you know, there's already anti-nepotism laws, but these were very specific. This was to the executive branch. So when Donald Trump became president, wanted to put Jared Kushner in charge of Middle East policy. In other words, a high-level position in the White House, sort of like, you know, Bobby Kennedy. They had to ask the Department of Justice, is this legal? And the Department of Justice was like, well, we don't care. I mean, you know, really, are you going to ask Bill Barr if it's, a, you know, if something's a crime? Really? This was before Bill Barr, but it, the same thing. This, this was Trump's DOJ. So he put, he put Jared in charge. And what does Jared do? Well, at that time... In 2017, Saudi Arabia was run by a guy named Prince Mohammed bin Nayef, also known as MBN, Mohammed bin Nayef. And his father, who was Nayef bin Abdul Aziz, was the former leader of Saudi Arabia. And his father's father, King, Abdu- King Abdul Aziz was his grandfather. So the guy running the country, his father had run the country before him, his grandfather before him, but he had a cousin 
by the name of Mohammed bin Salman, who was salivating at the possibility of ejecting the current reigning monarch, as it were. Now that Jared had a security clearance, Trump tried to get a security clearance for Jared. They ran the process. They came back and they said, no way should you give this guy a security clearance. He is corrupt. He is compromised. His father went to prison. Um, there's a criminal history in his family. You, you should not be doing this. And Trump said, that's okay. I'm not only going to give him a security clearance. I'm going to give him the top, top, top secret, the best, the highest you can get security clearance because he's working right next to me and I've got, you know, the ultimate security clearance. And so now Jared has access to the information that in Saudi Arabia, this young prince, Mohammed bin Salman, wants to overthrow his cousin who's running the country. And Jared makes this secret trip to Saudi Arabia and hangs out with Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, as it was reported in the Washington Post. This was uh, David Ignatius in the Washington Post. This was right after Mohammed bin Salman staged basically a palace coup, put MB, the MBS, put MBN in prison, where he is to this day, and started arresting all kinds of members of the royal family and tossing them in, well, in jail in a fancy hotel. And David Ignatius of the Washington Post writes, quote, it was probably no accident that last month, Jared Kushner, Trump's senior advisor and son-in-law, made a personal visit to Riyadh. The two princes are said to have stayed up until nearly 4 a.m. several nights, swapping stories and planning strategy. Right. So now, with Jared's help, and the help of U.S. intelligence, apparently, although Jared denies it, but uh, Vicki Ward, who's done some really great uh, reporting on this, uh, she just reported, quote, four well-placed sources say the primary reason Kushner has now received $2 billion is that he helped MBS depose MBN, knowing that this went directly against what U.S. intelligence wanted or thought was good for national security. Just to be clear, MBN, the, the guy who had, you know, who, who and his father and his grandfather had been running Saudi Arabia, was a longtime friend of the United States and was in tight with the U.S. State Department and U.S. intelligence. MBS, the guy who's now running Saudi Arabia, is, according to some news reports, moving Saudi Arabia closer to Russia and China. Once MBS took over, Donald Trump cut a deal with him to reduce the oil production of Saudi Arabia by 2.2 million barrels a day, which is, you know, consequential. This was back during the, the pandemic when the price of oil was $35 a barrel. They were trying to raise the price of oil help out the Texas, Texas oil men. We were having bankruptcies across Texas and Oklahoma. So Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, he says, okay, we'll cut our production. Well now, and the production is still cut. Now Joe Biden is reaching out to him saying, hey, can you, can you go back to the production like it was before Trump cut that deal with you? And MBS is refusing to take his phone calls. Instead, he's hanging out with Vladimir Putin, or at least talking to him. Which raises the question. I mean, here you've got Jared Kushner. Uh, you know, his claim to fame was that he was a slumlord and his dad was a, a professional grifter who went to prison. Trump pardoned him, by the way. When his dad went to prison, this uh, PR consultant, as a family friend, said, uh, this is according to his father, said, quote, step one, this is his advice to young Jared now that his dad's in prison. Step one, buy a New York newspaper. Step two, don't be too particular. Any newspaper will do. 
excuse me, step two, buy a big Manhattan building. Any building will do. Step three, marry the daughter of a rich New York family. Anyone will do. So he buys a building just a few blocks down the street from Trump Tower, gets Donald Trump's attention, starts dating his daughter, and the rest is history. Which raises the question, you know, there is this thing in the Constitution called the Foreign Emoluments Clause. Now keep in mind, Jared Kushner was a White House official, officially. And the Emoluments Clause, which is in Article One of the Constitution, says, quote, no person holding any office of profit or trust under the United States shall, without the consent of Congress, except of any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state. It looks to me like Jared Kushner sold out his country, broke the law, broke the Constitution, and damaged prospects for peace in the world by helping MBS rise to power and then pushing Saudi Arabia toward Russia just to get his hands on a few billion dollars. Isn't this at least remotely worthy of a Benghazi-style congressional investigation? Isn't this more important than Hillary's emails? Isn't this something the Department of Justice should be looking into? What am I missing here? Ron DeSantis signed into law a new bill that would create the Office of Election Crimes and Security in Florida. It used to be that election, that, excuse me, voter fraud, they don't talk about election fraud in the Republican Party because that's what they practice, right? <laughs> January 6th was an attempt to conduct election fraud. Now, instead, what they talk about is voter fraud because voter fraud is about individual voters and individual voters come in a whole bunch of different colors. Maybe you haven't noticed, but they do. There are white voters, there are Hispanic voters, there are black voters, there are you know, African-American voters, Asian voters, we have Native American voters. And it used to be that there was, down in Florida, a group of people who made sure that voter fraud didn't happen. That is to say, I mean, voter fraud is just Republican code for the wrong people voting. And that group that they used to have in Florida, I mean, they still have the group, but they, they used to enforce the voting laws in Florida, was called the Klan, the Ku Klux Klan. And the Klan is no longer enforcing the voter laws. They're not showing up at the polling places, intimidating people. I mean, they may in the 2024 election, now that the Republican Party is trying to recruit 50,000 Klan members and others. Uh, to show up, you know, in the states where you can be armed, and now you've got, now we're up to 26 states now where you don't even have to have a permit. You can just stick a gun in your pocket. You don't even have to tell anybody. Show up at the polls. But basically, now that the Klan's not doing the job anymore in Florida, Ron DeSantis has come up with his own little personal, personal uh, squad. The Campaign Legal Center uh, last month said that this new partisan agency would open the door to voter intimidation and harassment. Gee, you think? It allows, see, right now, elections in Florida and in most parts of the country are conducted by nonpartisan officials. Now, in 20, 19 or 20 or 21 states, that has changed, and partisan, well, specifically Republicans, now control the election procedures in those states. These are all changes since Trump tried to overthrow the government. 
but generally speaking, they're nonpartisan people. Well, this would create an agency that is answerable only to DeSantis. His own personal little clan, or whatever you want to call it. Nikki Freed, the state agriculture commissioner, who is probably going to be running against DeSantis in the election. She's in a primary right now. She said the governor's election police is political theater at best and a deliberate barrier to voting and a huge waste of millions of taxpayer dollars at worst. What's particularly weird about this is that in 2020, DeSantis came out and said that the elections were fair in, in, uh, in Florida. No voter fraud here. We got everything nailed down. Everything's great. So why do they need this new agency? Well, Brian Griffin, a DeSantis spokesman, says uh, it will serve as a powerful deterrent. Right. Number one. Number two, the other story I wanted to share with you, and then we'll get back to our conversation about war and peace. Remember when Keith Olbermann got suspended from MSNBC? Do you remember what caused it? A lot of people have forgotten. It's probably gone down the memory hole by now, but uh, it was because he gave a $2,700 contribution, a donation, to Gabby Giffords in her campaign for, for Congress. He also gave a contribution to uh, Raul Grijalva. They're both from Arizona. And to General Jack Conway, who was trying to replace Rand Paul. Rand Paul, the guy who just an hour ago was defending Russia, attacking Ukraine by saying, well, Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. So Olbermann lost his job over that, or at least got suspended without pay, indefinitely, for writing a check for $2,700 to these three candidates. And now we're learning from the text messages from Mark Meadows that back during the election, now this is not during January 6th, this is two months earlier, this is in November, On the afternoon of election day, Hannity asked Meadows, Hannity texted Meadows and said, how's turnout going in North Carolina? Meadows responded, stress, every vote matters. Get out and vote. Yes, sir, Hannity replied. On it. Any place in particular we need to push? Mark Meadows responded, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Arizona, and Nevada. Hannity replies, got it. Yes, sir, got it. And Hannity is still on the air at Fox News. This says a, a, a whole lot, A, about the integrity at MSNBC and about the lack of integrity uh, over at, Emma, at Fox News, and also, you know, what the hell is going on? When people, primetime people, who, who present themselves as news people, are coordinating with a presidential campaign on election day in a get-out-the-vote effort. There's something very, very, very wrong here.
just very wrong. By the way, I found that my, my dad uh, gave me this for my birthday, um, geez, 20, 25 years ago, this book. It's by Rex Stout, who was at the time, at the time this book was published, uh, the most famous fiction writer in America. He, he had sold, at the time that this book was published, over 70 million books. Uh, Nero Wolfe was his principal creation. And the book is called The Illustrious Dunderheads by Rex Stout. And it's, a, uh, it's an incredible uh, collector's item now. But just, this is, it, it, these are all, all quotes from members of Congress. All right, this is from, these are quotes from uh, Hamilton Fish from the Congressional Record. Hamilton Fish was a Republican from New York. Let us stop this hysterical chatter about calamity and invasion that has been running rife these last few days. It is not fitting to the people who built this nation. This was on June 22, 1940. Hitler has already invaded Poland. Hitler is bombing England. Republican Congressman Fish goes on, the only reason that we're in danger of becoming involved in this war is because there are powerful elements in America who desire to take part. He continues, let us have an end to the secret diplomacy and the secret commitments of President Roosevelt that have brought ruin and disaster to France. Keep in mind, France was then occupied by the Nazis. And from which we have escaped only by a miracle and the will of the American people expressed through the Congress to keep America out of the war. President Roosevelt alarmed the nation by his inflammatory Italian dagger thrust to the heart speech. On August 5th, 1940, Hamilton Fish said, Whom do we fear? Do we fear Hitler, who sees, seems afraid to attack England over 20 miles of sea when he would have 3,000 miles to cross here? This is preposterous. Let us stop this fear hysteria. And then on September 3rd, as FDR was talking about the need for a draft, preparing for war. Representative Fish says, Piefstein conscription in America is the direct road to Hitlerism, dictatorship, and national socialism. If we adopt peacetime conscription, we are merely copying Nazi methods and ideology. We don't want to go to war. George Dondero, Republican from Michigan, September 4th, 1940. What nation threatens this country? What nation is about to invade our country? We're not at war. No nation has even suggested or insinuated that we're about to become the object of its wrath unless we provoke it. It's just, I mean, this is the, the, every page of this book. This is from Fred L. Crawford, re Republican from Mich Michigan. Um, this was on uh, October 2nd, 1940. The Southern Committee for Jeffersonian Democracy has made some very keen observations. This committee points out that Mr. Roosevelt has gained control of the National Democratic Party, using it as a front for the New Deal, as Herr Hitler contr gained control of what was once the National Labor Democratic Party in Germany. And the committee further observes that today both of these Democratic parties, as exemplified by Roosevelt here and Hitler over there, have no resemblance in principle or purpose to the original party. I believe it is responsible to say that the United States will be forced by events now shaping themselves to decide between becoming an economic colony of Great Britain again or the official receiver of a probably bankrupt British Empire. 
It just, it, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, this is uh, Fred Bradley. Represent again, a Republican from Michigan. I don't know why. It's just random. I'm just random. I'm just opening random pages here in this book. If our president's leadership is failing us, what can we do? The truth is, the New Deal needs war to shackle socialism on your backs. The New Deal needs war to blind you to the complete bankruptcy of its pretended restoration of prosperity. The New Deal needs war to make crushing taxation acceptable to the American people. These were Republicans. Here's John Anderson, Republican representative from California, 1941, August 5th. What strange bedfellows the present crisis has, has, uh, has created. This bill for conscription is not only un-American, it is unpatriotic, undemocratic, and a draft is absolutely unnecessary. I am not so panicky as to worry about Hitler. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Oh, actually, I'm not sure who said history rhymes. It doesn't just repeat itself, but I think it was Mark Twain. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. By the way, I just wanted to quickly flag this for you. Abraham Bolden has been on this program. He, he is now 86 years old. He's, he was the first African-American Secret Service agent to serve a president. And he served Jack Kennedy, and he was with Jack Kennedy throughout the 60s, um, up until his death. And he blew the whistle on Kennedy's security, not keeping him secure. And he also blew the whistle on racist behavior inside the Secret Service. And for that, they prosecuted him. His first trial resolved in a hung jury. He was convicted in his second trial, although the main witness against him admitted that he lied because the prosecutor told him to. So Biden then tried to get a new trial. He was denied a new trial. They sent him to prison. He spent several years in federal custody. He has always maintained his innocence on, on, this, uh, on this charge, that he was trying to sell a copy of a Secret Service file. There's no evidence of it. And now President Biden just pardoned him. God bless Joe Biden. Rob in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hey, Rob, thanks for watching us on Free Speech. I always like to listen to two sides of every story. I'm an open-minded guy. Uh, but? like that. But how can you say, I heard you say this, like, and I watch your show, and I heard you say about, I don't know, maybe it was three to four days ago, that you thought the economy was the best it's ever been at this point in time. 
I said unemployment is lower than it has ever been. The economy is growing at a faster rate than it has in the history of the United States. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean everything's wonderful. We've got a big problem with inflation, which is you know, largely the result of two things. Number one, the end of the pandemic. All this, un, you know, all this pent-up demand is unleashed, just like after World War II. And number two, you've got all these supply chain problems. Well, and number three, you've got Saudi Arabia refusing to raise their oil production back to where it was when Donald Trump negotiated the, the 2.2 million barrel a day cut back in 2020. That's, that cut is still in place. And Saudi Arabia has just thrown in completely with the Trump family. They gave Jared Kushner $2 billion. And they're trying to damage Joe Biden right now by refusing to, to raise oil production. That's my take, but Rob. Tom, but, but, Tom, why would we even need to ask the Saudis for oil when we could pump enough oil to provide for this country? Because the price of oil is an international price of oil. When there is a shortage of oil worldwide, the price of oil goes up, and the oil producers in the United States, who are selling into the United States, set their price at that international price. And the only way you can do anything about that is to pass a law giving the president the power to basically take on the oil companies. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody has the political will to do that. Rob, great question. Thank you for the call. Kyle Cheney wrote a great piece over at Politico.com a day or so ago titled January 6th Committee's Bombshells Hiding in Plain Sight. And I really thought it was worth just, for those of you who have not been carefully following this, uh, just, this is the stuff that has just been made public that is essentially irrefutable. And, you know, he, he writes, uh, shoes have been dropping like hail. <laughs> Yes. Uh, number one, Trump strained federal and state governments to the point of uh, to the breaking point in his attempt to overturn the election. And it almost worked. Um, it, Cheney doesn't make this point in his article, or at least in these words. But I've seen it made elsewhere that had only five Republicans flipped Brad Raffsenperger in Georgia, the uh, the, the Republican in Michigan, this, this young white Republican, who then lost his job as a result of this, who refused to change the outcome of, I believe it was the Macomb County vote. It was, it was one of the northern, largely white Detroit suburbs. Um, he, uh, a Republican, he publicly refused to say, oh yeah, there was fraud and therefore we should give the state to, to Donald Trump. Um, there was a guy in Arizona, there were two people in Arizona, same thing. Uh, there was somebody in Wisconsin. I mean, you look at these, it was five or six, literally five or six people. And, and of course, Mike Pence. If, if any of them had caved to Trump, we would have President Donald Trump right now. And we would no longer be a democracy. And I think most Americans are, frankly, unaware of this. Number two, when the courts failed him, Trump turned to John Eastman and, and broke the law. Uh, John Eastman had this wackadoodle theory that I predicted in March of 2020. I wrote an op-ed about this that was published over on alternate.org in which I, I laid out exactly how the election of 1876 went. And the, uh, you know, this was the Tilden Hayes election. And Tilden, the Democrat, won the majority of the electoral votes and he won the majority of the popular votes. But he did not become president. Instead, Rutherford Hayes, the Republican, became president. And the reason why was because four states, uh, Oregon, which was controlled by the Klan at the time, 
in three southern states, and my recollection is it was uh, Alabama, Louisiana, and Georgia, but I might be uh, one state off on that. Three southern states submit, uh, who were at that time occupied by northern troops, by American troops, um, submitted dueling slates of electors. These four states submitted one set of electors for Tilden and another set of electors for Hayes. And as a result of that, the election got thrown into the House of Representatives where they said, we're going to give it to the Republican because the House was controlled by the Republicans. This is what John Eastman thought he could do again. And like I said, I predicted it in March. I hoped that I didn't give Eastman the idea. I suppose it's remotely possible. But uh, this, you know, is... <laughs> not the way it's supposed to work, to say the very least. So we got very, very close there. Number three, Trump sat on his hands amid the worst of the, the January 6th violence. He, he literally was watching all his violence on television, rewinding it over and over again to watch the juicy, oh, look at that, a cop getting sprayed in the face. I mean, we don't know the details of what he was rewinding, but the, there's ample reports that he was completely ignoring everybody saying, call off your dogs and in fact was encouraging them. And, and then he tweeted, Mike Pence has let us down, and then began the chance, hang Mike Pence. Trump was directing this. The White House, number five, uh, or number, yeah, number five, the White House has become a haven for conspiracy theories. This also happened in the White House. I, I don't think that needs much more explanation, bringing Sidney Powell into the White House, for example. And the rioters themselves, the people who showed up on January 6th, to try to murder the vice president and the, and the speaker of the house and stop the counting of the electoral votes, they themselves, over a hundred of them now, in court filings have claimed that the only reason they did this was because the president of the United States told them to, Donald Trump. This is pretty consequential stuff. This is very consequential stuff. So there's that. Uh, the, other, the other story I wanted to share with you, and this is, I find absolutely remarkable, is Marjorie Taylor Greene, this, this is proof, more proof if you need it, that there is an element within the Republican Party that not only does not want democracy and is just fine with aristocracy or oligarchy, but also is fine with theocracy, with, with religious figures running the country as long as they run it according to these people. Marjorie Taylor Greene was interviewed, did an hour-long interview in her home with this far-right Catholic news organization. It's called Church Militant. They used to call themselves Catholic Church Militant. The church sued them, uh, according to this news report over at Raw Story by Kathleen Joyce, or actually on Salon. Uh, the, the church prevented them from using the word Catholic. But they present themselves as, it, it, it was originally founded as Real Catholic TV. Uh, Michael Voris was the founder back in 2008. And he has described the church, the Catholic church hierarchy, as, quote, an international crime syndicate, end quote, run by a gay cabal. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is like, you know, totally with him, basically saying that the Pope is Satan or is controlled by Satan. And, you know, they're, they're calling for the uh, right-wing Catholics to purge the church of the Pope and, and, and take political power. Milo Yiannopoulos uh, was, you know, is part of this whole thing. He's uh, in tight with these uh, church militant folks. Um, he recently declared after returning to the Catholic faith that that had helped him become ex-gay. 
similar to Voris, the guy who founded this, who also said that he is no longer going to have sex, same-sex relationships and is going to live a chaste life. It strikes me that, and, and with Marjorie Taylor Greene as well, these two men and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they were looking at really badly wounded individuals who are, who are grabbing for power however they can get it. And I, and I, I think this, is, this should be a danger point. This should be a warning, particularly for Republicans and Catholics. Look out. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. These tapes of Kevin McCarthy, I've been watching this, listening, I guess listening to it because there's no video that goes along with it, but they, you know, they're playing them on television all the time. Um, and this was in the, in the four or five days immediately after January 6th. And McCarthy and other Republicans are getting together on the phone and they're saying, and this was the leadership of the Republican Party apparently, and they're saying, what are we going to do? I mean, we've got, we've got a bunch of followers of Donald Trump who just tried to murder the Vice President and the Speaker of the House. They probably would have killed us if the Capitol Police hadn't kept them out of the chamber. And and now you've got Republicans out there like Paul Gosar and Mo Brooks who are, who are inciting this, and they're continuing to incite it, and they're going to get somebody else killed. Now, you know, there's this whole battle going on right now on the right, by and large, and it's playing out in Fox News and on right-wing talk radio as we speak, about whether McCarthy was... Uh, a toady of the Democrats, or whether he was woke, or you know what you know. I mean, this is basically the charge that Tucker Carlson made the night before last. Or if you know he just had a moment, a slip, or whatever. What I think happened, and I and I'm quite clear about this, is that they all understood how truly horrible what happened on January 6th was, how terrible for our democracy Donald Trump was. They had this moment of clarity. They saw it as a crime and a danger to democracy itself. And for several days, they were concerned with trying to message about, you know, cleaning this up. 
And then Donald Trump got to them and they wimped out. This is exactly what happened in Germany as Hitler was rising to power in 1933. This is exactly what happened. The conservative parties, Bismarck and his buddies, the, 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 the German version of the Republican Party, hated Hitler. And they thought they could control him. And so ultimately they embraced him after they trash-talked him. And the same thing is happening with Trump right now. And so, you know, I think what this tells us is that these guys knew how wrong this was. They were willing to say it out loud for four or five days, which means today they still know how wrong it is, but they've decided to lie about it. They've decided to change their position to be more Trump friendly. This does not typically end well. Richard in Los Angeles. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech. Adam Schiff the other day mentioned on uh, one of the talk shows that he felt that it would be wrong to go after the Republicans because it would blow up Congress, you know, go after them with subpoenas and indictments. I know. I, know. I think it's a but mistake. I, I think that would be, if, if Congress does get blown up and Republicans get removed, one thing, it would, it, would, it would strengthen our advantage, and two, wouldn't that be a deterrent for someone not to do that next time? That's the theory, Richard, and I completely agree with you. I, uh, once again, we're seeing, I mean, just, just uh, we're, we're seeing Democrats uh, basically wimping out. I mean, just flip the, flip the frame, right? If Republicans controlled Congress and they thought that a high-profile Democrat had committed a crime, what would they do? Well, the answer is really easy. What, what did they do with Hillary Clinton? I mean, Kevin McCarthy came out and famously said to the world, you know, we've had these hearings on Hillary Clinton and it's knocked her down five or ten points in the polls and that's a good thing. It's going to help us beat her in, in, 2020, in 2020 in the election. And by the way, he was right. So yeah. why are Democrats going, oh, well, you know, we don't want to piss off the Republicans because they'll, they'll kick us upside the head. They're going to kick you upside the head anyway. That's right. That's right. And I got your bumper sticker. Make okay. democracy great again. Make democracy great again. That's a good one. I use the same font and, and with a blue background so it looks just like their bumper sticker. Make democracy great again. Yeah. And one thing, there's this guy out here where I live. He's going into these businesses and he's writing on the toilet seat dispensers Donald Trump campaign hat. That's where the toilet paper is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I still have it here. I, we've got a roll of Donald Trump toilet paper around here someplace. I, I, yeah, I took it off the set because, oh, it is behind me? Aha, there we go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that, Richard. If you're watching Free Speech TV, there's just a slight delay, but there we go. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Great to hear from you. I appreciate the call. We'll be, uh, oh, we still have a minute here. I thought we were at the end. By the way, I, I mentioned that this survey, this morning consult political uh, poll, you know, they asked if a candidate is accused of fill in the blank, is that a major problem? And I mentioned racist remarks. 80% of Democrats say, yes, that's a major problem. Only 38% of Republicans say, yes, that's a major problem. It's even worse when it comes to homophobia. Seven, only 71% 70, of Democrats say homophobic remarks are a major problem, which argues that homophobia is a bigger problem in America than racism, frankly. And only 25% of Republicans said if 
somebody is accused of making homophobic remarks, that would be a problem for them. And then when you get to anti-Semitism, and, and here the numbers are a little different on the Republican side, and I think that this is largely, you know, the, the hangover from the Holocaust. The, 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 you know, even Republicans realize how bad anti-Semitism can get. 71% um, of Democrats say if somebody made anti-Semitic remarks or was accused of it, that would be a problem. Only 47%. All, all three of these are below 50%. Fewer than half of Republicans have a problem with people being accused of making racist, homophobic, or anti-Semitic remarks. It, that seems to me like a problem in our society. What say you? John in Janesville, Wisconsin, listening on WADR. Hey, John, what's up? I bring up the name of Charles Davis, who was involved in the late 30s. You mean Nancy's father? Uh, Reagan's wife's father? Was he really? Well, that's what I'm I asking. You're talking to Dr. Charles Davis, right? You're my verification on that. And is that, and being Nancy's father, and she married mm -hmm. that. Maybe I've got uh, it wrong. B movie stars. She the reason that he po she possibly turned him from being somewhat of a Democrat to oh I can't remember um, I don't know anything about that you know and Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, I can't remember this and I can't remember that Ronald Reagan had the excuse of his age but she doesn't have that excuse. Yeah, I let, let me just check here. I parents Loyal Davis was her father. Kenneth okay. Seymour Robbins okay. was her biological father. So Charles Davis was not her father. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Um, but John. also, also but, uh, but, Charles Davis, he was, he was uh, tied up in that coup attempt in the early 40s against FDR that uh, received money from Germany, millions of dollars from Germany, that was later quashed. Am I yeah. not correct by Smedley Butler? I, I don't know about Charles Davis, uh, John. I do know that, yeah, that, that happened and it was quashed. But thank you for the call. Rudy in Atlanta. Hey, Rudy, what's on your mind? You know, Tom, I'm sitting here looking at this and, you know, I served in the military. My daughter's in the military. My brother retired. My dad. This is what being American about. Being American. Being American. This is what it's about. Standing for something. If there was ever a time that I really felt like, hey, it's going to be what it's going to be, this is that time. You know, Tom, I, I think, you know, we're at a reset in this country, and um, it's nothing, you know, this country has its ups and downs, but it's nothing wrong with trying to be righteous. It's nothing wrong with trying to be right. You know, everyone has a, everyone has a turn at this, but Tom, it's nothing wrong we're trying to turn things around and to put put the right things in order. We have to try to keep this thing simple. I don't think this is complicated. We see what's going on. Let's just try to be righteous about it. And timing is everything. So I think we had a reset. So let's just do what we let's just do what is necessary by all means. And they stand for something. Yeah, and the American people typically stand up for what they believe is right. Which is why Lyndon Johnson had to convince us that the that the uh, uh, in the Gulf of Tonkin I forget the name of the ship but the, that the ship had been blown up. It's 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 why you know which it turned out to be a lie. 
that McNamara had been telling LBJ for two weeks. Um, it's, it's why uh, in uh, George Bush, the elder had to convince us that those evil Saddam Hussein soldiers were throwing babies out of, out of incubators, which turned out to be a lie. It's why his son, George W., had to convince us that weapons of mass destruction were about to be used against us from Iraq, which turned out to be a lie. But when it's the truth, you know, like in World War II, and frankly, I think right now in Ukraine, the American people will stand up, Rudy. I really think they will. Rudy, thank you for the call. Jim in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today? If I had a friend or an accomplice and drove to a bank or to a store and to commit a crime and my accomplice went inside and robbed, injured, or killed somebody on the inside, I'd be charged with that felony. You're right. You know, if I was as a driver. As an accessory, yeah. As an accessory, right. Why hasn't Trump, and I haven't heard anybody from the media say that Trump is actually an accessory to a person that got killed inside of the Capitol. And this isn't including the other officers that died the days after. So Ashley Babbitt's death is on his hands or on his head. I, you know, I think it's a yeah, good point, I, Tim. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that this is the kind of stuff that they're going to be shoveling to the Department of Justice eventually. It's, it's the kind of stuff that you would think the DOJ would be all over right now, although, um, you know, who knows? And, I remember the, the, you know, the right-wing media or whatever, that they uh, made that woman that broke through the, was one Ashley of the first Babbitt, people yeah. to actually go into the window and got shot and killed. They made her a martyr. Yep. But then I've noticed they really quieted that down, too. They don't mention that anymore. At least I haven't heard it lately. Yeah, no, they, they just they wanted to get the message out that a white woman was killed by a black cop. And, and that, you know, that is now permanently and firmly implanted in the brains of MAGA followers all across the country. They don't need to repeat it anymore because they all know it. And, you know, it was just a, another way of spreading their racist poison. Tim, your points are well taken. We'll have to see how this shakes out with the, with the January 6th committee. Richard in Chicago. Hey, Richard, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up? Uh, well, I, it's maybe not, not a big point, but, you know, so many people that support Bitcoin, uh, I always think about the people who don't, who want to go back to the gold standard, right, and, and are mad at the Fed for creating money. And yet I wonder how many of them are just enamored with uh, this uh, counter to government, I guess, is sort of the way I think they, they look at uh, Bitcoin, you know, uh, the savior of, uh, you know, uh, free market or something. You know, but anyway, it's kind of a wild point, maybe. But uh, if if somebody uh, could could mine dollars, you know, using computers, uh, you would, I, I I would be very concerned about the the faith and confidence of the dollar. I mean, I I would think that well, that would yeah. undermine the integrity. Well, of yeah, doesn't it actually do that, though? I mean, after all, everything, even a gold standard, is, 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 at one point is transferred into dollars, but they somehow don't like the Federal Reserve doing it. You know, they want to go right. back to the ancient. Yeah, like, yeah it is. It is you know, a, none of it makes sense to me. Yeah, it is a, it is a weird kind of, uh, uh, you know, a weird juxtaposition. Richard, thank you. That was, that was an excellent point. Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro, what's on your mind today? I think finally Margie Taylor Green. Is, is you know the chickens are coming home, home to roost with her, for, with you know with her with the whole trial that she's been forced to participate in, and I love it because you know what I like as an attorney, what I love about court is that you can only BS so much, and you know and to, to, in court because you have to say the truth or else you commit perjury, right? She's but you know she's fundraising away. on this Alejandro, and she's she's raising money hand over fist. She's got literally millions of dollars. 
well, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of stupid people who support her nonsense, but... Well, that's my I, point. I just, I'm not I, sure that there's any chickens coming home to roost here. It looks to me like the, the money's coming home to roost. Well, what I'm getting at is obviously if this, this is a novel, um, you know, legal case. Right? I don't think mm -hmm. there's ever been because I think that it will show us whether the 14th Amendment has teeth to prevent insurrectionists from ever getting office. And I really obviously, you know, for many reasons, but I definitely think this should disqu definitely disqualify her because I definitely think the evidence that's presented in trial shows that she was involved in an insurrection, she incited it, she encouraged it, and that violates the, the you know, 14th Amendment, Section 3, that, that states that you, anyone engaged in the insurrection or rebellion against the same or gave aid and comfort to the enemies, you know, has to be, you know, barred from office. So, right. like, the whole point is, you know, I was chomping at the bits, and I was watching her cross-examination of the attorney, excoriating her, you know, what we call impeaching the witness, making her look so stupid, but every time she said, I don't recall, it just gives you uh, the opportunity for the attorney to present evidence that contradicts what she says. And I think that definitely shows that she's, perj that she's committing perjury because there's no way she doesn't recall a lot of those things. Do you think she'll you ever know? be charged with perjury, Alejandro? I think there's evidence to show that because all the evidence on Facebook. No, I got that. I, I think it's, it's right there on its face. I just, I'm skeptical that she'll be charged and I'm skeptical that this thing is going to go through. But it, it, I agree with you. It's absolutely fascinating to watch and it is unprecedented. Alejandro, always great to hear from you. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Gregory in uh, Chicago. Hey, Gregory, what's on your mind today? I'm disappointed in Stephanie Miller and David Packman, and who I love, and yourself, who I love as well, and all the progressive intellectuals in our country who are kind of falling into a bit of a groupthink, it seems, with saying that this invasion is not understandable from Putin, partly because, or mostly because of the horrific execution. I think it's like, easily well, understood. Putin told us what he wants to do. He said that Ukraine is not a country. It's not entitled to sovereignty, that it's part of, the, it's part of Russia. Russia owns it. It's got a lot of Russian speakers in it. And even the Ukrainian language, Putin said, is not a genuine language. It's, it's, it's a bad dialect of Russian. And therefore, Russia is going to reclaim their land. I mean, he, he was unambiguous about it, Gregory. Well, that's all of the things that obfuscate the main trigger. Or no, those are all the things that, that Putin crossed. said. I know, but that's all a lot of static that it gets us not to see what was the trigger and the red line that was crossed. And I'm 62 years old, and I was two years, nine months old with my grandparents in Detroit watching the Cuban Missile Crisis when we had put, I learned as I got older, that we had placed missiles in Turkey, and they were going to place them in Cuba, and they, so they forced us to take them out of Turkey, which was revealed later, and then they didn't put them in Cuba, and we avoided nuclear war. I went to Europe to see what the millions These of people... These situ situations, Gregory, are not analogous. Emmanuel Macron said we need a European security architecture that includes everyone, including Putin Russia. has they nuclear weapons on the border of Europe. There, so where's we your outrage about that? 
They asked to join NATO in 1949, the Politburo members, and they wouldn't let them join. They said, gee, this NATO thing is against us as a communist state, I guess. Then Putin asked Clinton to join in 2000. He asked George W. Bush to join in 2001. Putin couldn't have asked Clinton to join because Putin was not running Russia when Bill Clinton was president. He talked to him, apparently, before, and uh, it's my understanding, yeah. he asked George W. Bush, the Politburo members asked no, in 49. What, what Russia did is they put together, after the fall of the Soviet Union, they put together their own version of NATO. Belarus is part of it, uh, and several other countries in the region are part of it. But the point is that Please. this is not about whether there are weapons pointing from Russia at Europe or whether there are weapons pointing from Europe at Russia. This is about... Putin trying to re pull the band back together. He's trying to re you know reunite the Beatles here, and it ain't gonna work. Anybody's attempt to create their own security is not supposed to take away from the security of someone else. When Gorbachev brought the Iron Curtain down, he and Reagan agreed that NATO would not expand one inch east of East Germany. It was never backed up by any kind of negotiation. It was never backed up by treaty. It was never even written down. So well, I get it that you know this is one of the Russia's big talking points. But I would advise you, Gregory, to discard it because it is one of Russia's big talking points. Joe in Rutherfordton, North Carolina. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind today? I was born in 1941. I don't remember that war, but I remember the Korean War. Okay. It was a police action, just about what Putin says he's doing. It says it's a police action, a war in all but this name, under the auspices of the U.N. And our State Department coordinated all the fighting. So, Harry. And there were 16 countries involved. And. China was, by that time, I think China was a communist country already, but they weren't in the U.N. We recognized Formosa. That's right. As, and um, What we now call Taiwan. Yeah. I'm an amateur radio operator called sign KK4RV, and I have had a lot of contacts with countries in the Soviet Union back to the 1980s, early 80s, in contest. And Ukraine was very, very big on contesting. So was the Soviet Union's nations and, and satellite oh, yeah. nations. Back in the 60s when I was a ham yeah. operator, I, I, getting a QSL card from the Soviet Union was like the biggest of the big deals. Back in those days, from Poland and from Russia, wow. it would be a letter sometimes. Sometimes yeah. they would ask for money. Yeah. Sometimes they would just want to chit-chat and letter with their QSL card. But it's a crime what's happening in Ukraine. We saw in the Valdi last night, my wife and I. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, we were really enthralled by it. And that gives you some idea of what Russia's like, was like them, and that's pretty close to the present. Yeah. And they're, I tell you what, they don't tolerate any, any uh, disagreement, evidently, within their country. So as a historian, are, mm -hmm. are you a professional historian, Joe? Or you? Well, I taught history in a community college in eastern Kentucky. Okay, so you're a professional historian. As a historian, it's increasingly looking to me like if we're trying to draw parallels between what's going on in Europe right now and previous conflicts, at, at least in our lifetimes, and I'll include yours because you were born before, you know, the year the United States entered World War II. It seems to me that the only analog that has any accuracy at all is... Hitler going into Poland in World War II, that every war since then, that the, the war that you, you know, that you were just talking about a moment ago in Korea, Vietnam, the first Iraq war, the second Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, that none of those wars are analogous to this. What say you? Well, North Korea invaded South Korea 
Uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, this is a lot like what Hitler was doing. I think I think Putin is adding, acting so much like Hitler that it's silly and stupid for him to call all the Ukrainians Nazis. There is a small extreme right wing party in the country. But yeah. it's not. It As there dominate. is in every country. <laughs> we right. have one here, too. too. Our country, yeah. France, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is my sense of it, and and it's something that I've been avoiding confronting, you know, honestly, uh, myself, not just on the air, but I've been avoiding trying to come to some sort of a conclusion about what's going on. But it, it just really seems to me that we are in that 1939 moment that 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 you know Poland has been invaded. I mean, not literally. Now it's Ukraine, but. Um, in the next door neighbor to Poland. Joe, thank you so much for the call. It's nice to hear from you, and I appreciate your historical perspective. Scott in Oakland, California. Hey, Scott, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. So I'm an old school political junkie, you know, going back to all the dirty tricks, you know, everything that was happening under Nixon. So I'm going to use a term here that we need to probably put in front of this McCarthy stuff, especially the phone call with Scalise. Uh, I believe it was a limited hangout by McCarthy. Limited hangout, which was a term that Nixon used to try to get bad news out in front of the press so that they could say when the press broke the news, they could say, oh, that's old news. We already talked about that. Oh, I see. Okay. It's a term, limited hangout. It's a, a, you know, again, this is, this goes to, uh, uh, you know, intrigue and dirty tricks and, okay, so. So I believe this, and it's a, it's you can call it whatever you want, but that's that's sort of a commonly used phrase for this this kind of technique where you try to get bad, you know, you know, this is what public relations people do. They try to right. they try to soften the blow by getting it out in front of people so that people, you know, oh, that was yesterday's news, and as, right, as, you want to be the guy as, who breaks as, the news. You point, wanna, point yeah, made, you Scott. Control, so yeah. what's okay. so that's what you think? I mean, McCarthy so, didn't so, release these tapes. You know, the, 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 nobody uh, knows where these. I don't know came. who. We don't. Nobody. Well, they first they said uh, well they first they said it was Cheney, and then they said no, probably wasn't her. And then they said it was at least Stefanik because she's she wants she's trying to knock McCarthy off. Point is. Well, now they're Think also saying it might be it might be a person on on McCarthy's staff because apparently his staffers right, were on it, the call. And but but and, and that's understandable because the staff I I hear a lot of the Republican staff are really angry about Jan, Jan, January sixth. The point right. is. They were Think about who's getting hurt here. This is a fire break. McCarthy, I believe, is trying to dig a fire break between himself and the crazies because he knows how bad it's going to be when this stuff actually starts hitting, okay, hmm. with the hearings. Right. So I believe this is McCarthy. Now, this is just my, you know, scan of it. Mm-hmm. But I believe this is McCarthy trying to dig a fire break between Gates, uh, Taylor Green. Uh, Gosart, Biggs, uh, Brooks, uh, 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 and uh, Perry. Right. So the point is, do you remember the, the right before uh, 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 the January, right before January sixth, I believe it was. There was this this story that broke about um, Giuliani accidentally calling. Mike Lee, right, and and yeah, saying when he was trying to reach uh, Tuberville. Tub, you're trying to reach Tuberville. The point is, this thing is 
a diseased cancer that goes through the entire party, McCarthy would have gone along with the insurrection. He yeah. wasn't against it. He just backed out. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, Scott. I, whether it's a firebreak or not, I don't know. But what I do know is that after Mike Lee went through one of these things where all this stuff came out about two weeks ago about Mike Lee being one of the major people who was pushing for the fake electors to be recognized so that Donald Trump could become president for another four years, that he went back to Utah and he got a standing ovation. So, I, you know, it's, it may be that these guys are worried about the fallout. It may be that they're not at all worried about the fallout because they're Republicans. Mark in Lexington, North Carolina. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind? Do you believe McCarthy and uh, Scalise will be eaten alive? Or do you think, you know, McCarthy's already made taste with Donald Trump? This law will let be I, let I, I think by. it's probably going to be the latter, but uh, increasingly in Trump world, in which is now Republican world, um, McCarthy is being seen as a as a as a rhino, you know, as uh, he's he's not sufficiently loyal. Oh my God! For a moment, he had three or four days there where he actually took this stuff seriously. Yeah, it was it was amazing, and and then he goes down and gets ringing Donald Trump. It yep. was just, I guess he knew that, that was going to come out. Yep. But you know, you got Tucker Carlson and uh, Matt Gates uh, wanting to crucify him over this, yep. and I. This morning, is this going to uh, the the thing to the thing to keep an eye on, Mark, is the you know if the Republicans take the House of Representatives, and even if they don't, frankly, um, the Republicans are going to vote for their leadership at the in January of next year. You know, at the beginning of the new year, and uh, if there is a serious challenge to McCarthy's sort of. Um, billionaire and corporate friendly leadership and wanting to replace that with the Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene type of Donald Trump wackadoodle leadership. If that's successful, that's the end of the Republican Party, in my opinion. In 1938, Adolf Hitler invaded the Sudetenland, mm -hmm. and that was part of Czechoslovakia, and it was a German-speaking part of Czechoslovakia yep. on the principle that they were being persecuted. Okay. The generals of the military agreed if this brought war, they would take down Hitler. They would also take down the SS. They had the entire plan planned out. Of course, Chamberlain flew in and made everything all right again, so they didn't do it. They thought, well... So you your know, question real quick, Mark, because we're going right. to get cut off here okay. in just a second. I just, I just believe that Putin thought the same thing with Ukraine, and it backfired. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. He's, he's following Hitler's Poland playbook, and it's blowing up in his face. I'm with you, Mark. Thank you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.